Hi, my name's Brandon. And if you're anything like me, you had a father who thought meatloaf was part of a well-balanced diet and a mother who thinks if you're going to feed your ear holes anything, let it be meatloaf. This is Get Into The Groove, the podcast where we find a groove and we get into it. And with me, as always, somewhere after midnight, in your wildest fantasies, somewhere just beyond your reach, there's someone reaching back for you and it's Jeannie. Uh. Hi, how hello, are you? Hello, 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 hello. Welcome, welcome. You all cozy? Yeah, actually, I mean, I'm. we're sitting on these stools and they're not actually that cozy, but mm, you know, it's fine. You got a nice little blankie. I I did bring a blankie. The blankie has me very comfortable. I have my sweater on. I'm very cozy over here. I'm glad. Well, if there's anything I can do to make your experience more comfortable. Thank you. And also, of course, I finished crying in the instant that you left. And I can't remember where or when or how. And I banished every memory you and I ever made. But when you touch me like this and I hold you like that, I just have to admit it's all coming back to me. It's Melissa. Hey! <laughs> oh, I love that. That's a good choice. That was a very good choice. Yes! Oh, God. I was I was really agonizing I literally sang these. that song yesterday. <laughs> I felt you in the cosmos. You did. <laughs> Appreciate it. And thirdly, I know the territory I've been around. It'll all turn to dust and we'll all fall down. And sooner or later, you'll be screwing around. I won't do that. No, I won't do that. It's Colton Cox. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Great. Excellent. Oh, wonderful. We are joined by a very special guest today. Um, please welcome into your ear holes, special guest. Together, we can take it to the end of the line. Your love is like a shadow on me all of the time. I don't know what to do. I'm always in the dark, living in a powder keg and giving off sparks. I really need you tonight. And forever's going to start tonight. It's singer, songwriter, actress, and one of the co-hosts of our friend, friendly podcast, or sister podcast. So I'm just going to go ahead and say it. <laughs> Pop notch. It's Mara McFadden. Yes. Hi, Mara. <laughs> I'm so happy and excited to be here. Meatloaf, I am um, upset. Oh, sorry. Have we not? I didn't want to give away. Sorry. Get it all. Oh, oh, get oh, it away. Good. Give sorry. it away. I'm not bitch today, I guess. I said Meatloaf um, twice in the intro. Okay, okay, good. Yeah. Um, I'm very honored and excited to be here because Meatloaf is kind of like a reincarnation theme in my life not just the entree but especially the artist like I literally would not be married to my husband if it was not for meatloaf okay well yes. story time yeah. Okay. yeah so we're in high school right it's 2000 it's my junior year so I think it's 2007 2008 I'm in a weightlifting class right okay I mean romance novel you guys <laughs> setting a scene <laughs> I'm in weightlifting class um <laughs> And uh, my husband, Wesley, is a, an office aide. It's his senior year. He's an office aide. Um, and he just randomly decides to skip office aiding one day and, like, come see his best friend who was in the class with me. 
And um, we got to, when we were in the weight room, we got to pick our own music. We got to be the DJ for the class. And I picked a Meatloaf song to play. And he is Meatloaf fanatic. Like his dad was fanatic. He's seen seen him like four times live, three or four times. Wow. And um, so like the reason why he even noticed me and like started talking to me was because I played a Meatloaf song. And then he like bonded over Meatloaf. Like our first kiss was to you took the words right out of my mouth. I'm not kidding. In his mom's hot tub. Oh like, my gosh. I think we've got the perfect guest today. Because when you were like, when you were like, it's and don't get me wrong, Blondie, the album is amazing. Yeah. But when you were like, it's either this or Meatloaf, I was like, it has to be Meatloaf. It has to be. I'm so glad. I'm so okay, glad. It was yeah. serendipitous. Yeah, perfect. Well, okay. Well, I want to, Make the rounds because it sounds like that everyone was like, I didn't really listen to this album, but I also didn't really have to because it's just been like, it's been, it's seeped into my bones. Like I know it. Mm -hmm. I've Uh, heard all of these songs, maybe not in this order. Yeah. Same. I didn't realize they were all in this album, but I was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's his song. Oh, right. Yeah. Hit after hit. hit. Yep. Yeah. I, um, I think I was 10 or 11 and my grandparents were still living in Arkansas at that time. My grandpa had uh, this album, and it was one of the f- like first rock albums that I heard. Um, and I remember just staring at that cover for <laughs> for hours because he had uh, he had a CD, so it was really small. The blown oh. up one, yeah, that's much better. <laughs> oh, oh my god, I didn't even notice. <laughs> yes, bitch, you know Mara, I always dress on theme. Mara's got a meatloaf shirt. Oh on. Oh <laughs> my god, that's amazing. That's incredible. Oh, but yeah, that's I distinctly remember seeing that cover. You know staring at it for hours you know so definitely listen to that it's spoopy like oh my god so (laughs) dangerous i mean but how iconic though like i've literally seen that cover in so many movies yeah like it's crazy the one i would the one word i would use to describe meatloaf is just epic yes everything about it yeah Jeannie, melissa care to share your first experience with meatloaf do you have one or has it just always been a part of your life? My first experience was Paradise Without a Dashboard Light. Yeah, of course. Of that's, course. <laughs> I mean, I, I, that's not a surprise that it found me early. Um, and so I got really into that. And it's my favorite song to find someone random to sing it at karaoke because it's very hard to find someone who knows all of it. Um, <laughs> and fun story, actually, for my 30th birthday, we went to Vegas, right? And Brandon, Brandon will only oh. sing karaoke for me when I ask him. And it's a special occasion. One time was after my grandma died and I begged. And then the second time was my 30th birthday in Vegas. Wait, what was the first What was the first you song? You sang Sweet Charon's Vestite, oh, uh, Big Nose Kate. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, I have, there's video of that. Yeah, no, I remember. <laughs> I remember. I'm upset that I missed out on that. Yeah. <laughs> so for my 30th, I begged. We were at this massive karaoke bar and it was freaking packed with all these people who were 40, 50 years old, whatever. And I thought this is going to be perfect. Also, it's my birthday. He can't say no on my birthday and he didn't. And he got up there and we fucking killed it. Oh my god! We killed it. People were so excited. And you had to be up there a long time oh, because yes, Meatloaf songs. Yeah. Listen, yeah, Bad Out of Hell only has seven songs. But I'm I'm up there like, let's go. Eight minutes, let's go. I'm ready. The people deserve to show. They deserve it, and they love it. It's like one of those songs people get so excited about when you do yeah. bring it out that it's like, yeah. why wouldn't you? I feel like Meatloaf is such a dangerous line to walk because all of those music theater kids who want to do like show tunes at bars but nobody knows them, they just like, oh, Meatloaf. Then meatloaf, I can still yeah. be on stage. For Done. Seven to eight minutes Done. at a time. You're either yeah. bringing the house down or you are bringing the house <laughs> <Right>. down. <laughs> yes. 
I do remember uh, after that we promptly left. We overstayed our welcome forever because they we put we put our thing in and then we sat there oh, for yeah. like an hour and a half. Like we yeah. were, we were like, okay, we're gonna do it and leave. <laughs> like we're out. And a, a drunk lady followed us out, mm-hmm. and she was like, "Oh my god, I You're can't amazing. believe! <laughs> I cannot believe you guys did that." Did you know he he got fit? He only made two albums, and that's it. And I said, "I don't think that's quite right." But thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. That was at the Ellis Island Casino. Oh. By the way, the great karaoke, you guys. Great karaoke every night, and apparently, a uh, uh, good brunch. I remember yeah, following yeah. their Instagram and seeing a bunch of brunch pictures. Uh, a very photogenic brunch. Have <laughs> 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 a taste we don't know. <gasps> All right. Jeannie, do you uh, have a, you a, know, a story? You know, my first, I think, encounter with Meatloaf was actually watching Rocky Horror. Oh, um, yes. So that's what I associate with him more than anything. But then, I mean, I've technically heard these songs. I more distinctly remember hearing you, like, singing them like i remember you like bopping around like you know you weren't really singing so much you would be listening to it and i would always oh. catch you walking to like rehearsal and you'd be like ah <laughs> meatloaf <laughs> again it I'm happens loafing, man. i'm just loafing like you I'm get into a loafing. kick and you just like listen oh, to he it really does and he like, really does it was like it was like every time it'd be different shows we'd be working on and i'd walk <laughs> up like beside you walk into rehearsal one night and it'd be fucking meatloaf again it's like I okay mean, I feel like meatloaf is like Brandon's perfect. It's like long rambling lyrics. Yes. <laughs> it's got like, it goes that, on. It's dramatic. Yes. It's uh, dramatic. Uh, yeah. It's it, and, the whole story. Every time. <laughs> and he himself, like just as a performer, just He's lays a it yes. out. Yes. He's a he is. Well, he He's got to start on Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, in the okay. theater. All right. Here we go. Mara's starting it off for us. All right. We're diving <laughs> into the album. We're diving into, if you didn't catch it already, we're listening to meatloaf's debut album, bat out of hell. Um, Hell of a debut album, Jesus. <laughs> Lord Jesus Christ. Here's all my talent <laughs> in your face. Um, and yeah, exactly. And like, especially starting off, the first track is Bad Out of Hell and the band is delivering what the title promises. They are truly just exploding into your ears. Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, I've watched a couple of documentaries about this in research for this program. And uh, they talk a lot about um, how they definitely used Wall of Sound, uh, like that technique to... Put the album thicken, in a direction. The sound of it, yeah. Yes, and it definitely works. Like I yes. feel like this is the only example of like Phil Spector's Wall of Sound situation that I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. It's useful. It makes sense here. I understand. And it's like I don't know the first minute or so before Meatloaf actually starts singing, and when he does, my God, what a world he's painting. Okay, we've got <laughs> fires, we've got sirens, we've got evil. There's a man in the shadows with a gun in his eye and a blade shining oh so bright. <laughs> um, but you're the only good thing in this whole world that's pure and good and 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 what is that? Right. right. I can't even read my own handwriting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we're setting up sort of this like story of like a like a I wrote rabble rouser, but I don't know if that's the correct word. Uh, but you know, a bad boy, a leader of the pack, and that's exactly like what this song is. The, uh, Jim Steinman set out to write the most extreme crash song in in ever. And I think <laughs> it's a pretty Mission top contender. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but like, I was just like, wow, there are a, a huge like plethora of songs about people getting in crashes <laughs> or like, like, uh, like teen tragedy, something like right. that. You mm-hmm. know, um, uh, I have a few, I have a list. So leader of the pack, obviously teen angel. Tell Laura, oh, I love angel her. Has that song. <laughs> Dang. Last kissed. Uh, uh, Johnny, don't do it. You know, I wrote down "Run, Joey, Run," but it's not really. 
<laughs> it's not really like. <laughs> I fucking listen. That was Glee was in a pit, but for me, it was a peak. Um, run to a run was the peak of the series. No. I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, <laughs> this well is incredible. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he just set out to write the most extreme crash song in history. Um, and God damn it, how dramatic. I love it so much. Uh, especially two examples. I mean, all of it's dramatic, but two shining examples. The second time he comes in with, uh, and like a sinner before the gates of heaven, the second time, right? The band is like, and like a sinner before the gates. Like, it's so epic and like, like, um, visceral. Yeah. Oh my God. God, like it gives me goose pimples. It stops me in my tracks. His voice is so emotive. It's like you can't not just. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It truly is uh, rock opera. Yeah. Rock oh, opera. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Opera. Like, um, more definitive that than even like Tommy or the ones that are like you know no, the, yeah. the big ones. <laughs> yes. Um, he, uh, uh, Jim Steinman, I think. Genius. Is a genius. Uh, and self. Well, and, and let me just go ahead and say, for those who, you, who don't know, the lyrics I read in the intros, those are all written by Jim Steinman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any lengthy song that you like casually pick at karaoke and then regret because it's 10 minutes long is written <laughs> by Jim Steinman. A lot of songs, like the American Song book is just, you know, jam-packed yes, yeah. with his songs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's... he's w- mostly worked with Meatloaf, um, but I mean... Celine Dion. Celine Dion. Did you look at uh, his? Bonnie Tyler. Um, go, do you have it right there? Uh, yeah, I got it. Uh, um, Total Eclipse of the Heart. Yes. Uh, Air Supply is Making Love Out of Nothing right. at All. Um, the Sisters of Mercy, This Corrosion, and more. Barry Manilow's Read Them and Weep. Celine Dion's cover. It's, it's all coming Barry back Manilow. to me now. Yeah. Um, Holding Out for a Hero, another bunch yeah. of Yes. Uh-huh. A whole bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's known, I think, like... Mostly for oh. producing a bunch of Bonnie Tyler albums. And also uh, credited well with writing. the book, the music, and the lyrics for Bad Out of Hell, the musical. Now, okay. <laughs> Did you see it? I drove to Toronto, Canada to see this. <laughs> with Wes. Yes. And then we saw it again because we were living in Jersey at the time. So we uh, took the train into the city to see, obviously, when I was at the New York City Center. Both productions were great. However, the Toronto production was unlike anything I've ever seen in my entire life. It was fabulous um in during this number which that musical is cool because it's like a jim steinem so he yeah. does like bad yeah. out of hell one and two yeah so like making love out of nothing at all is in that uh. like a bunch of his bad out of hell two songs are in that oh god it's so good and it's um really heavily inspired by like peter pan so right. that, that, yeah yes. so a group of kids like they're called the lost like they just don't age and it's like post I don't know, kind of like futury, post-apocalyptic yeah. a little bit. Rock opera, it's so stinking good. Um, during the number, Bad Out of Hell, when he crashes, I don't know how they did it, but the bike came apart, like oh. in parts, like a million little parts, and then flew up in slow motion on the stage so and dramatic. formed a, and formed a huge heart. Oh. And then exploded in broken what? motorcycle parts. What? And then came back what? in slow motion and reformed what? and the guy got back on it and started Shut writing up. again. No. Stop I it. shit you not. And then an entire car goes into the orchestra pit oh, and then Christ. members of the orchestra pit like crawl out and act all pissed off with like bent tubas and like bent horns. Like it's, it was, it's absolutely wild. Cause they did, you wow. know, they did uh, paradise by the dashboard lights. Like right, that right. was oh, yeah. in the car and it was very, it's very like eighties, 
punk right. fashion. Oh my God, just everything about it. So good. I, I, I'm may, dead. I, I'm <laughs> iconic. And I've never seen this show, but I feel like the only thing I can think of that even comes close to that is uh, um, Queen's musical. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. This yeah. is what I'm fact checking right now because I think there are some members on that team that also worked on We Will Rock You. That one surprised me. Yeah. And um, uh, they shared the same theater, like when. Uh, not the two. Is it bad out of hell? Is that what it's called? The, yeah. The, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, when it wasn't touring, it was in the Dominion Theater, which is the same theater that We Will Rocky was in. So I mm-hmm. think like there's a lot mm-hmm. of crossover with like production um, and attitude. Like it's it's that same shit. Like it's still a, a dystopian future, but mm-hmm. everybody's still stuck in the eighties. Like some <laughs> guy, but and it's hysterical because like uh, all, most information is lost. Um, but they discover VHS tapes, right? And the whole thing is centered around Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, and so they they view Bohemian Rhapsody as like their text. And so they follow the text. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so people just find a bunch of 80s garb and put it on, not really knowing like who it belongs to. So there's a guy like dressed up as Madonna, like fighting a guy, like, oh, it's hysterical. I'm into it. Um, but it's great because the whole thing centers around Bohemian Rhapsody and then they don't do it. I mean, they do the the bows, the finale, the curtain call, and then uh, everything goes dark. And then you see like the LED screens. They say, "You want to hear Bohemian Rhapsody?" <laughs> the crowd goes nuts, <laughs> and then everybody comes out and sings it, and it's yes. it's truly epic. Um, and Brian made appearances in that. In the West uh, Brian May, yeah, oh, that that wouldn't surprise yeah, me. Yeah, he was in town. He would actually go and show up, and they would actually play with the band, and he would have a whole spotlight, and he'd be the guitar hero, apparently. <laughs> Oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm so glad that he gets to be the one that kind of protects Queen's legacy because he's done a great job. He really yeah. has. Really. He really has. And I'm sure this may be like a, a, a controversial, I don't know, Adam Lambert being the lead singer in Queen. I, I love feel like that. I also yes, love I'm that. I'm obsessed with it. I don't, I don't know, I don't Listen, know who else guys, it could have been. Honestly. I was massively yeah. into American Idol when Adam Lambert was on there, right? This is like the last season I was like in it and I was here for him, but I knew I didn't win. But when they did, they actually did uh, We Will Rock You with Queen for the finale or whatever. And I was sitting there going, if he does, if he's not the lead singer for Queen, I don't really know what they're doing. And then it's, it just, it's a waste of like, talent. This is everything. Yeah. Like, they were so thinking perfect. the same thing. I'm so glad. <laughs> Literally the only person that I could even think of that would come close would be like Brennan Yuri. But yeah. his voice is, is too different. He's to not Queen. trained enough. No, I don't think to no. be, to, to take on that sort of rap. No. Like Adam Lambert was built for this. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I, he's not even like one of my favorite people, but I can still give him the credit that he can pull that off. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and I think that's also maybe a little bit, a testament to Brian May, you yeah. know, protecting the name of Queen. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. Um, okay. Enough, Enough about, about Queen. Queen. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to draw everyone's attention to uh, the crash, right? Because uh, at that point, they had recorded the song, and they were like, okay, six minutes, great. That is a, a fantastic <laughs> intro. <laughs> Good job, Jim. And he said, what are you talking about? He hasn't crashed yet. And they said... <laughs> okay, Jim, it's already six minutes long. Um, and These so are they, orchestral masterpieces. They really they are. Really These are, are sweets. Um, uh, and so <laughs> I literally can only think of him writing the lyrics to this with like a quill, <laughs> like furiously <laughs> scribing onto a scroll. But it is. It's, yes. The album is only seven songs. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, it's just that they're all 15 minutes long. (laughs) And he insisted that there needed to be a motorcycle. He's like, where's the motorcycle noise? And uh, the producer, Todd Rundgren, was like, oh my God, there's already so much going on. Why do you need a a, a motorcycle noise? And he's like, well, he's riding it. He needs to crash. That's the whole point. He needs to crash. We need to hear it. Why did you need cannons? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, Did I ever say this? Uh, Jim Steinman uh, calls his own music Wagnerian rock. Did I say that already? No, but that okay. Sounds, that, I meant so to say that like sense. five minutes ago. That's but cool yeah, as hell. That's like, yeah, that's anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, we need a, a car, uh, uh, a motorcycle crash. And Todd goes, all right. So we got a sound effect. Will that work? And he's like, uh, no. We no. need like we need like an actual. <laughs> and Todd Rundgren says, all right, here we go. He plugs in his guitar. He turns a couple of knobs, and then he makes the motorcycle noises on his guitar and goes, and so you can hear that in like the first minute, right? right? And then the band kicks in and is playing. And then he goes seamlessly from the motorcycle sound effects into a guitar solo. And I encourage the listeners out there to stop it right here and go back to Bat Out of Hell (laughs) and listen to it again and listen for that car crash or that that motorcycle crash. Who'd you you say it was that played? Todd Rundgren. Oh, yeah, okay. The the producer of the... uh, Music legend Todd Rundgren. He's been around for ages. So I'm so yeah. okay. So yeah. very. We'll familiar. get into him <laughs> later. All right. Anyway, we're moving on. He has died. He's but, died at the bottom of the pit. And you know, I laugh every time uh, that lyric comes up again. Then I'm dying at the bottom of a pit in a blazing <laughs> sun. <laughs> I always giggle to myself I'm like just, just so, so much drama again. Epic. Yes. Uh, uh, Okay, and so we move right along to On a Hot Summer Night. Yes. You took the words right out of my mouth. Um, Steve Popovich, the producer of, another producer of this album, um, heard the first 20 seconds of this song uh, and decided he was going to sign them to the label. And didn't even start singing yet. Yeah, it's monologue. Yeah, it's a monologue, and then the band plays for a little bit, and he was like, great, perfect, love it. (laughs) Um, That's all I needed to hear. Grammy, let's yeah, go. <laughs> they were turned down by uh, around about thirty labels and twenty producers. Though uh, nobody wanted this album. Yeah, nobody You're, wanted this album. An album of nine minute plus songs. What? <laughs> nobody wanted Motorcycle that. Motorcycle crash and everything. They couldn't see the commercial appeal to that. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, another label said that Steinman didn't know how to write a hit song. <laughs> Because the formula goes A, B, C, B, C, C. With Simon, we get lost around W. Bitch broke the formula. <laughs> you know who else said stick to the fucking formula? That's an asshole. <laughs> yeah, okay, we don't have that much time. Go My, ahead. Mike Love from the Beach Boys. We're moving on. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, we don't have time for a rant tonight. We don't have time, but you get it. Um, Fuck you. Let's move on. <laughs> back to our Beach Boys episode if you want to hear Cole Ryan rant about Mike Love. Thank you very much. It's very distorted, but you can hear the anger. <laughs> so I think we mentioned somewhere that these boys came from theater. And if we not, if we didn't. We did. Okay, we did. Um, yeah, Jim Steinman came from the theater. He was recruited right out of college. He wrote this like long three-hour rock opera. And there was a, <laughs> a, a guy who came down and saw it and said, what the hell is this? Came up to him in an intermission and said, uh, come with me to the public theater slash uh, 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 New York Shakespeare Festival. Um, and that man was Joseph Papp. And as we recall in our Get Into the Groove canon, episode four of the whole series, we talked about Hair, the musical. Yeah, I a hundred years ago. It truly was. Uh, but Joe Papp 
uh, is a recurring character. Um, he uh, ran the New York Shakespeare th- uh, Festival and then uh, converted uh, that whatever the, the that library into the public theater, and they debuted it with hair. So hair is tied to that. Um, and so fast forward a couple years later. Jim Steinman is as uh, like a resident writer, um, uh, writing songs for a musical that they're they're uh, conducting or they're they're you know composing, putting putting together. They're auditioning people, um, and in walks this three hundred pound behemoth, quote, um, who is fresh off a production of Hair, coming from Broadway, uh, and he auditions for this musical. And Jim Steinman is in love. He says, "This is the man. He needs to be our lead." Uh, and they said, I'm sorry, his name is Meat. He's not going to be our lead. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> but they did, uh, they did cast him to sing the title song, um, and the musical was called uh, oh, More Than You Deserve. And every time Meatloaf came out to sing that song, uh, he brought down the house. He would get standing O's in the middle of the show. Uh, and so, <laughs> you know... He knew something was there. He's a star. He's a star. <laughs> Which, if you've never been in the middle of a standing O in the middle of a show, it is an extra experience. Oh, my God. What? Jersey Boys. It was Jersey Boys. Jersey Boys, yeah. I remember this is like, yeah, yeah. It's like three minutes long. We just stood there clapping in the middle what of the song? show. Which song? Can't take my eyes off of you. Because I saw the original cast. We got there right oh, after it amazing. opened. And it was like like before Tony season everything. And it was <laughs> so good. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm jealous of you that you got to see that. Yeah. I I, I want to hear the rest of your Jim Steinman meeting meatloaf story because I, I have a question that I'm hoping you'll answer. Go ahead. Go ahead and ask it. I, I want to I would really have loved to have seen the first time that Jim gave like lyrics to Meatloaf and how he responded to it. <laughs> it's like just like three pages of like <laughs> words. I can imagine like, he finally lo- exactly yeah, he looked at it without a blink with. of an eye. He's just like, yes, yes, can yes, we add yes, pages? Yes. Can we add things? Yes. I, it's it's honestly probably offensive to Meatloaf, but I haven't heard his speaking voice very much. But I just kind of picture him being a more like legitimate regal version of uh What's his name? Steve Barry, the the British guy. This guy, oh. uh, uh, Toast of London, <laughs> that guy. That is a great model for <laughs> Meat Love. That's a good comparison. I'll play you guys his voice. It's it very much talks like this. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if personality wise, if no. they're much different. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, uh, 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 Jim Simon, Meat Love. They love each other. They're like, yeah, fuck yeah, we get, we get, we get along great. They were each other. We understand. They did the what music. does that mean? They just kept coming back to each other. They really did. Yeah. Throughout. Um, so Jim Steinman, he had six songs that he didn't use for a scrapped musical, um, which I believe we mentioned eventually turned into "Bad Out of Hell," which is based on loosely Peter Pan. Um, and they decided to team up, you know, uh, and then they brought a bunch of like people that were uh, like in the theater scene. They brought a, a lot of people in as like backup singers or, you know, drummers um, to like kind of slap together this band. Um, a couple members of uh, Street. Oh, Springsteen. Yeah. Yes, Street. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of comparison to especially in like the lyrics between Springsteen and uh, Jim Steinman. And I don't think he appreciated that. Jim Steinman. No, I, um, I don't know that I would put them in the same category, but I can get the kind of like long 
flow oh. of words. I can see that, but yeah. they don't write about the same stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah. From what, from my experience, which is not a lot. With if Bruce the words USA are not in the song, then it's not <laughs> a Springsteen song. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so they, they have slapped together this band and they are, they have these six songs and they're trying to like try them out at all of these labels with uh, all of these producers. Right. And, uh, they thought, you know, we could make a demo tape and like send it out. But the more they thought about it, they were like, well, no, because then like, how do you see meatloaf? Like, how do you, like, you can't, we can't put him onto a tape. Right. And, like we can't sell that. Right. And so they played live for all these uh, labels and producers and everybody said, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, nobody got it. And then like, uh, <laughs> it's like they know it's impressive, but they don't know what to do with it. <laughs> exactly. They're just like, who do I sell this to? Right. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. So I discovered this album um, through my mother. Um, I have distinct memories of listening to Paradise by the Dashboard Light on the way to the skating rink. And it was like a, a van sing-along. Like everybody in the van was singing. Um, and so I asked her about it the other day. I was like, we're talking about this. What were your thoughts on Bad Out of Hell? And uh, this is the smartest thing I've ever heard her say. She said, it's such a timeless and universal album that knows no time. Mm. That is absolutely, like, I was like, damn. Like, uh, that made me think. It's that transcendent. Is it is transcendent, Truly. yeah. Because it, like, it does, like, evoke all of those, like, leader of the pack, uh, the, the like, rock yes. and roll of the, the 50s and 60s. There's a huge nostalgia factor yeah. Yeah. on this album. Well done. Good vibes. Felt like, that was the time. Um, it's got, like, Chuck Berry-esque, <laughs> Chuck yeah. Berry-esque piano oh, and yeah. the saxophone. Yes. It's such, like, a... Because they grew up... They would have grown up during the 50s, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a huge nostalgia factor there. And uh, you took the it words... It does right almost out. feel rockabilly. Like, there there are parts of, yeah. of Meatloaf that do feel rockabilly to me. Like, if you brought it back to the 50s... I, uh, I've always thought of it as like this. I was just saying this to you earlier. It's this perfect junction of the like experimental later end of the seventies. And then like early eighties, like I, I don't even know if the eighties would sound like they did if this album did not exist. Yeah. Cause like it's still, it doesn't have the same quite feel as an eighties album, but just that, that, it definitely pushed like pop yes. music in a direction. Definitely. 77 alone. Sorry. It sounds, yeah. I was going to say, it sounds so much like a lot of the albums that were coming out right there at yes. the end of the 70s. Mm-hmm. Like it has that huge rock sound, but you can still trace back to like the saxophone and like yeah. the piano. Like it has like, Even the boom, it's great boom, how like boom, it really, it's, I feel like it's like very a very purely pack. rock yeah, and roll absolutely. album. Yeah. Like, like very much like it has all of the elements. It's not delving off into any of the weird parts of it. Like it is just a rock and roll album that yeah. sounds like the peak of like rock at the time. Man. It's Man. one of the best selling albums of all time. Yeah. All time. Yeah, yes. It's like thriller, this and something else, yeah. but it wasn't like an immediate smash hit. No. Yeah. That's they were the big thing. in London first. They, the, London really got it. They're the tastemakers. And, and, then, Australia. and then people, you know, slowly started to catch on. <laughs> USA said, oh, it's cool. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we like it then. Okay. Um, if we're moving along in the album, uh, the next song is Heaven Can Wait. It's maybe not my favorite song, but it does really like. I love. I feel I like it's kind of a signature. <laughs> I think it's kind of a signature meatloaf song. I feel like, and it like knowing the the basis of Peter Pan, like that's sort of like, oh, I never want to grow up, mixed with like this teen angst, and like, mm-hmm. I get it, I understand. I was like, oh, I I get why this is here. Um, yeah, so 
Oh, I was just I was just going to say, I think lyrically, it's probably one of my favorite ones on the album Uh, because there's something like, I don't know, it's still got a sort of tenderness to it while also still being completely over the top. And so, (laughs) you know, there's like a sweetness to it where you're like, yes, like this is he's really playing up this whole like bad boy, like. Uh, you know, like I but he wants not to be like to a heaven, child, you know, but also like this I feel like this album this has the same again. purity is there. <laughs> yes. This the same flavor of over the top as um uh Reefer Madness. Like I can see that, yeah. which I just watched last <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I think especially Wait. of the um Melissa, I think you're dictating the like scene. Our- Apparently, yeah. <laughs> the, the, you guys have been doing some shadow work for Jesus. The scene <laughs> in that movie where um they kill uh <laughs> what's his name? The, the, the murder song. The, the murder song, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. You guys don't understand. This is so weird. You guys, it's been stuck in my head all day. But no, murder him, murder him, murder him. I told yeah. my partner earlier that I, it was it's it's maybe the most musically masterpieceful. Wow, that's not <laughs> I cannot wait to hear that again. I was there with you. Masterpieceful. Oh, masterpieceful. <laughs> Musical masterpiece. It's the largest musical masterpiece of that show. And I think it gets looked over, but like as a whole, the murder song is everything. And it is so complicated. And there's so many layers. And it's just. mm. Yeah, that's that same flavor of like kind of funny, but also a little bit serious. (laughs) (laughs) What were you saying? (laughs) I was just saying, I was just saying it it gives me that same flavor of like a little over the top of like funny. Yeah, I was was listening to Tenacious D, their first album on the way, and I was like, "There is a connection here as well." There is a connection there. Take it away, Colton. Here we are (laughs) in Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny. Meatloaf himself plays Jack Black's dad and sings a whole song about how he should not do rock and roll. That's correct. That is correct. This is, and then immediately after, fucking Dio starts singing. He's the metal guy, (laughs) Ryan James Dio. Who was uh, rocked for a long, long time. Yes. Yes. But now it's time for him to pass torch. <laughs> yes. Meatloaf <laughs> considers himself an actor before anything else. Like I he, mean, he, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, it makes sense. It. But so does Barbara Streisand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Performers. These things Performers. don't make Performers. sense to anyone. <laughs> it's just going to be Meatloaf just rips the mask off. <laughs> it's Barbara Streisand. Oh my God. <laughs> You've done it. Babs. <laughs> <laughs> the best t- plot twist of all time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and and that's like I, for some reason, always in my head. I never like put Meatloaf's works in order, right? I mm. I don't know when exactly it all came out, but he was in Rocky Horror Picture Show before any of this yeah. happened. Yeah. Um, on which, stage too. Yeah, yeah, which I found astounding because it felt like a stunt casting moment. Like, because it was, because it was just this person that comes in and sings this great song and everybody's dancing and then he gets- Eddie's oh, so sexy! Eddie's so sexy! Yes, he's a bad is. boy, mm. but he's like- Yes, he's Ultimately, a who, who, the, who is gonna look at him and be like, he's attractive? Like, it's meatloaf. <laughs> no, but he does such a good job of it. Like, yes, Eddie, Eddie! 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 <laughs> Meatloaf oh. makes you feel weird things. <laughs> he does. Uh, and if, He's if, got the charisma. He yes. exudes. He can play the machismo if he needs to. Yeah. He's also featured in f- um, mm-hmm. He yep. is the man with the breasts that at is, the alcoholics meeting. very true. <laughs> 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 Breaking oh, rules right. though over there. What a, what a star. What a star. <laughs> Wait. Oh, I did. Um, <laughs> 
what else? What else? What else? What else? What do I want to say? Oh, to, I want to uh, bring in Todd Rundgren um, because he was the first person that listened to the songs, right? And said, all right. He understands it. He gets it. Which makes total sense for him. That dude, he, okay. So Todd Rundgren has been producer, musician, all of this different stuff um, for a really long time. Um, but his own music is also just completely unorthodox, weird sounding stuff, but it's also really good. It's like classic rock and roll stuff. Yeah. So I, it makes total sense to me that he somehow got involved in this project. And had he not, I don't think we would have, no. like the timeline would have shifted because I think it was him that pulled out the rock in this opera. I'll read mm. you, I'll read you the exact Wikipedia description uh, he is known for his sophisticated and often unorthodox music, occasionally lavish stage shows, and his later experiments with interactive entertainment. Mm. Um, so, like he, he, as I was saying, he's also a um, uh, producer. Some of his famous albums that he's produced are um, "Bad Fingers," "Straight Up," "Grand Funk Railroads," "We're an American Band," uh, "The New York Dolls," "New York Dolls," "At Out of Hell," and then um, "Ecstasy Skylarking," that like in nineties. Thing. A 90s thing. These are all like, they're not like, you know, classic big hit albums, but they are like definitive albums for those bands. Yeah. So he also wasn't just doing music. It looks right. like he designed the first color graphics tablet in 1980. Yeah, that wow. sounds about right. That's right. Yeah. Like, that's just bonkers. No, I like the genius. weird overlap of musicians who are also, we talked about Brian May, like talking about like people who are also like astrophysicists or like- yeah. Patty Lamar. This is yeah. crazy. Oh my yeah. I was just thinking about that yeah. just now. Yep. Yeah. That's that's a fun like overlap though. Wow. She created some technology we use in Bluetooth now. She created oh. for World War II. What? Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, she wasn't credited for it for like much later. Man, that's like just three superhumans coming together and making- an album. Mm. The universe. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> the universe. <laughs> the universe got together. They conspired to have these people at the, the same time. Young. I, I never realized that Todd Rundgren mm. had anything to do with this album. So that's, really? Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. Uh, well, he got a hold of this band. Um, and he, at the time, was uh, in a contract with uh, a label that was like a subsidiary of uh, Warner Brothers, I think. So it was a Warner Brothers label. If I'm wrong, someone email me. Get the letter in the number two of the groove at <laughs> gmail.com. Um, and uh, Todd Rundgren was like, okay, you guys, you, we need to fund this because this is going to be a great album. It's going to be good. And Warner Brothers said, no. And he said, okay, I'll make you a deal. Um, I will pay for the recording and uh, send you guys a copy. And you guys get the first right of refusal. If you love it, you got to pay me back. And if you hate it, I will eat all those funds. And he ate it. <gasps> and so they shopped it around again. And because they were already like, you know, finding a producer to record this album, they had seen so many producers. So they were already like in the conversation as this weird band that's never going to go anywhere. And so this record that's now finished going around, uh, everyone is still like, what? No, no, this is not going to sell. This is not. Yeah, this is not like a viable product for us. Um, yeah, and so they just... Eventually, they got with... What's his name? Steve... Steve Popovich. Steve Popovich heard fucking Who's He, What's It? 
You took the words right out of my mouth and said, love it. Let's do it. Um, Steve Popovich. That name sounds so familiar. Don't know. Yeah, I am. Are we fact checking? Um, I'm just curious because it sounds really familiar. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, he, um, founder of Cleveland International Records, uh, launched and guided the careers of um, the Jacksons, Michael Stanley, Cheap Trick, Bruce Springsteen, uh, Bob Dylan, and Meatloaf. There we go. Um, That's right. He was the guy who took over the Jacksons after they left Motown. Oh. Yeah. I knew I heard that name somewhere before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, there you go. He has touched this one too. Um, I think, uh, I'm, I'm moving on though. Uh, uh, admittedly, I don't have any notes for anything else. Uh, so I'm just (laughs) winging it. Well, you know how Meatloaf got his name, right? Uh, no, I don't know how he got his name. Okay. So, well, he's always been known as Meat, born in Dallas, Texas, and he was born and he was a red baby. Like, you know, some babies (laughs) are just born red and he was, and, um, his dad came in. And he was also like, you know, a, a chubby chunky, baby. yeah, chubby baby. And um, his dad came and said, my son looks like four and a half pounds of ground chuck. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then when he was in eighth grade, he was in gym class and he stepped on his coach's foot and he said, get off me, you hunk of meatloaf. And, you know, his uh, classmates, the bullies just thought that was so funny. So he went to his uh, locker the next day and they had written a note on his locker that said meatloaf and they wrote it as two words. And that's how that was born. <laughs> he was born as uh, Marvin Lee a day. This man was not human. Oh. <laughs> he hated the name Marvin. He changed Marvin his name to Michael. Lee. This Me- was a oh. deity yeah. sent down to the to earth <laughs> from the heavens. This is a creation myth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he sees that meatloaf thing. He cries. And then next is like, one day. <laughs> he goes into a Jim Simon yeah. opera. Doesn't know it yet, <laughs> but is in it. It's like as he's singing it across the nation, Jim Steinman's is like, yes, <laughs> I've got it. <laughs> if anyone's life is just leading them to greatness, like, come on. Uh, the next tune is all revved up with no place to go. Mm. I just want to notate the saxophone is Edgar Winter. <laughs> I always thought that Meatloaf played the saxophone because of Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, hell yeah. That was, he's awesome. He's a really good actor. He really is. <laughs> not- you can really t- Brandon, you really thought he was playing that saxophone? Girl, well, I knew he wasn't because it's like a bad movie. No, right? man, <laughs> watch his fingers. But I thought he might he have like, no played it on the track. He has no idea what he's doing with that saxophone. Okay. <laughs> he, you know, he's hooked it in the wrong places and everything. Like, you, he's not even holding it right. The fingering is the same as the flute, so I should know. Is, is Edgar Winter a familiar name to you? No. He is also a legendary musician himself. He has his own whole own career and everything. So this album <laughs> has no so surprises. many great people for yes. no reason. <laughs> for no reason. There's a lot of people who believed in the I was, project. Yeah. No, I was going to say, saw something they, they said, pulled this these is great. in. Good art finds good artists. And yes. all, they're all super established people. So it's like, they probably had a moment to be like, yeah, let's fuck with this. Imagine. Like, why not? This sounds like a good time. How this much looks like fun. you have like a project in mind that you want to work in or like some sphere of like dabbling in your creative process mm-hmm. that you want to do and you finally meet somebody else like, and you're like, and, and then you meet yes, somebody like, you get it. it. Let's do yes. it together. And then you find somebody else. Like, that's amazing. Like, you buy into it even when you're like, I don't, whatever. Like, you just pursue that shit. Like, of course. I think if you see a picture of Edgar Winter, it'll make total sense to you how he somehow got involved with this project. 
when your weirdness matches somebody else's weirdness. <laughs> just, there's no greater feeling. There isn't. Yeah, he, uh, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is also a very popular '70s musician um, that has a you know so many people that he's worked with throughout the years. An so like possible repertoire that we would all be very right, familiar with. Right. So let's not <laughs> dip into don't that. even need to list names. <laughs> we're on, we're on so many. What a prolific album. Yeah, it really is truly. And, and even the, the songs that are like, uh, you know, someone would look at as, Oh, this is like something that is radio friendly, something that you could put on. And, you know, <laughs> um, like you took the words right out of my mouth. I think is is a right. is a pretty good mm-hmm. like it is mostly follows the structure, but then at the end it goes nuts. Um, and same good with, radio edit though. Oh yeah, but then you miss the good stuff. Well, we know that, right? But like that that's like the the like the the, the trouble with this album. I think is like is that people trying to like boil it down to like the, the well, only the highlights. The like, oh, you can't. That people wouldn't have wanted to touch it is because they couldn't put it on the radio. They couldn't put it on so the radio. So like a radio edit exists. Like that's the reason why there is a formula to getting on the radio and it's you write these songs, they follow that formula and they're also like three minutes long tops. Well, yeah. The radio controlled everything at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. Too. Like yeah. there was no other way to get your music out there than the radio. Yeah. So, so of course they were like passing this up. It doesn't right. matter. Like maybe they thought it was I guess great. if it works and the person hears the song on the radio Video and then goes and buys the album and then realizes that it's way more masterful mm-hmm. than they even thought. Can you imagine? I guess that works. Turning your car radio on and listening to a yeah. song for nine minutes no. or more. <laughs> okay, so after this album had been out a couple of years, um, it finally gained traction in the U.S. and was very popular. Um, and DJs were like, "Oh, people like this. Oh, it's like ten minutes long. Oh, people work? are requesting it." I could just put on a couple and just go take a quick break. <laughs> they would just put on meatloaf and like go to the bathroom, <laughs> smoke a little bit, whatever. And then they I end up just that. playing the whole album. Right. And they're like, great, <laughs> great, we're back. Was and nobody was upset out? complaining. <laughs> right. No complaints. Yeah. Uh, Ratings are through the roof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so according to this record, we flipped the side. Um, and now we're on side two. And the first track is Two Out of Three Ain't Bad, which was not in the original six that they shopped around. This was added like sort of last minute. Jim Steinman said, yes, one more and put it in there. <laughs> I also um, love this one. Yeah, very like good. Too. Yeah. Hilarious. It's very funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Heartbreak ballad. The heart. <laughs> yes. There ain't no Coupe de Ville hiding at the bottom of a Cracker Jack, Jack box. <laughs> Phenomenal. I mean, but I mean, yeah. Like, there's only one girl that I will ever love, and that was so many years ago. So I want you, I need you, but there ain't no way I'm ever going to love you. But Don't hey, be sad. Two out of three, girl. Like, ugh. Nah. Yeah. He is a bad boy. My heart. Can't trust him. It was the last last, last minute uh, edition, and also the highest charting single from the record. So. Added mm. that, and um, he imagined this. Jim Steinman imagined this as sort of like a country ballad, like singing oh. it all the, over the plains of Texas. Oh um, my god, I kind of hear it though. Stop. <laughs> and Todd Rundgren is like, no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm not, I don't I'm know not what do that this. is. He just had a twang to it. How won't you? Yeah, <laughs> there exactly. could it could be like, could be like stadium a country. Cash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm picturing like Bo Burnham, like his. <laughs> Pandering like doing yes. like that. <laughs> yes. Oh no. That's oh hysterical. no. Um, <laughs> pandering. <laughs> He's another one. He actually kind of goes uh, with this too. Yes, like, he does. In musical genius, but brings in the comedy element, the spoken yes. word yes. element. Yeah. Yes. Is he the modern day meatloaf? 
No. No. No one no. can beat. There will be never no, be an ally. No. Yeah. That's a one in a million. He has a one in a million. Oh Lord. I watched a documentary that was like following him around on one of his last tours. God, it was so frightening watching him actually because he talking he, about Bo still? Or oh no, I'm sorry. I switched back to we're talking about meatloaf. Okay. Talking about meatloaf performing. <laughs> okay. Um and it was frightening because um um He's much older than he once was, mm-hmm. um, but he also lays it out on stage. And so, like, after he's performing, right, they, I mean, they have to throw, like, uh, thousands of ice packs on him. Not thousands, but, like, ice packs. And he, like, goes off somewhere and just lays down and passes out. Like, literally passes out. Yeah. And this has been going on since the beginning. Like, so when they first toured this 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 record, and with all, the, like, the rejection they've been having... There was at one point they saw the music video for Bad Out of Hell on uh, on on the TV, and um, at one point it like s- w- malfunctioned and like everything slowed down for a few minutes and then like sped back up. And so in his, his mind, it was ruined, right? So he went on a, a bender for a few days and found him in Canada. Oh. Um, and then later when they were touring this, he's like, "Okay, I'm I'm a freight train, you guys, and if you guys want to be a part of this, you can. But if you if you're not." Uh, then unhitch yourself right now. Um, and there's a thing that he said that really like paints a picture. Um, he said, I stoked this train so full of coal and it burned so hot, it did me in. Like it mm. nearly killed him. Yeah. And uh, by that, I mean, he paralyzed a vocal cord. Yeah. Um, and like they came back in and tried to sing for the, the follow-up record and he couldn't sing. Nothing came out. Wow. And so he had to take a break. Yeah. How did that man not have like a fainting couch on stage at all times? <laughs> <laughs> Don't know. And also, there's You're, another story. The end of the show, I, he I finishes saw him the last note and just like, yeah. <laughs> I saw right him there. live in 2017 in Montclair, New Jersey, and I think that was. It's been so long; I don't remember now. But I think his like collapse on stage was like shortly either before or after that. But yeah, I mean, he like drenched in sweat, absolutely drenched. Can we just? I mean how demanding these songs yeah. are and he puts yeah. his entire soul into it. You know? Right. Yeah. Cause he's like emoting too, right. because he's mm-hmm. an actor. He right. has to perform. Um, there was another show uh, in 2003. He was having dizzy spells. Lord. Uh, they were playing at uh, in London and he had a heart rate of 238 beats per minute. Oh, yeah. He was diagnosed with Wolf Parkinson white syndrome. Wow. He passed out. Mm hmm. He had a, they, he, he's saying, uh, I would do anything for love and then collapsed. <laughs> and then they had to call the show. But then like, you know, once he recovered, they went back and finished the show. So that's pretty cool. But, um, that's just a testament of like, you know, how much how, he, he puts into it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and also like there, I, I feel like I would be remiss if I did not mention the, uh, like feud that was that mm-hmm. happened between Meatloaf and Jim Steinman because mm-hmm. it was like decades long, right? Um, and well, it was, they went to court at one point, right? Yeah. I thought there was I, like that litigation. I yeah, I thought I think but, there was. I don't know that much about it. But. It makes sense because it like I mean it drudged on for years and it started with this. Like they they were really uh you know conflicted on how they were going to bill it. Like is it is Meatloaf the band? Is it Meatloaf and Jim Steinman? What is it? Um. And the label actually pulled the trigger and said, it's Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell, and then we can put songs by Jim Steinman on there. So, I mean, that's why that's there. Um, But I think he resented that a a whole bunch. Because, I mean, he's the artist. Yeah, he wrote the songs, yeah. Yeah. 
you were uh, said this to me earlier, yeah. right? Like you, you point. Okay, so I have the record here, ladies and gentlemen, and I had it face down. So on the back, it's got a uh, uh, a meatloaf grabbing this girl's ass uh, with a red scarf, and then Jim Steinman is on the right, being clutched by the by by the girl. Um, is that Ellen Foley? Perhaps she's from St. Louis, Missouri, by the way. Oh, yeah, and she was originally the witch in previews of Into the Woods oh. in San Diego, and then was replaced by Bernadette when it went to Broadway. Damn, Ellen, been replaced left and right. My point was is that uh, Jeannie and I were uh, talking about how Jim Steinman is unremarkable. Like, just his looking, face, his face is... Really, he, he looks like so many... Like, but he also looks like he thinks he belongs. Right. Exactly. I think like, that's it, too. Come on. Yes. I think it makes sense to Because you've seen someone who looks like him on an album cover but somewhere. It's right. weird that he's on the back of the album. Yeah. It's odd. Like, it makes sense to have his name. Yeah. It's like, it's like, does the person who writes the libretto get to be on the cover of the musical poster? Nobody knows what Steven Schwartz looks like. I was going to, I was going (laughs) to elaborate on the, the lawsuit that she was. Certainly nobody knows who, what George Firth looks like. Oh no. Um, So apparently um, in 2006, Meatloaf launched a $50 million lawsuit against Jim Steinman. Mm. Uh, oh, because he was trying to make Bad Out of Hell 3? Uh, no, Meatloaf claimed Steinman wrongfully registered the Bad Out of Hell title as uh, his trademark in 1995. Uh, um, but he dropped the suit later that year, um, saying that he had too much history with Steinman to pursue the court case. I'm glad they were able to patch things up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it says, the same article. Um, speaking at the launch of Bad Out of Hell 3, um, Meatloaf said, if not, if it was not for Jim Steinman and his brilliance and his ability to turn a phrase and his concepts, we wouldn't be here today. Um, he really liked the record. That's important to me. So, uh, so we are on uh, Paradise by the Dashboard. Paradise by, by the, the Dashboard Line. Which is yes. also Truly the centerpiece. That's the one that I always remember. Oh, that's, yeah. that's, a that's one of the one everybody remembers. Yeah. And what's hysterical and something I also hate is the way Jim Steinman writes um, because it goes in this order. He comes up with the title and then he comes up with the music and then he comes up with the lyrics. <laughs> you know what? That's just like setting the intention of what you want the song to be about. I suppose, basically. Yeah, you're right. It's, he just it's is, speaking it to existence. Like, it's like he's writing a story and he's making the bullet points of like, this is what needs to happen, you know? And then he goes back and he's like, and now we make it happen. I just, I just want to know where he like got the phrase "Paradise by the Dashboard Light," like how Oof. that all came together in his head. Mm. Um, yeah, it is really it sings to you. When you yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> if you are somehow unfamiliar with the tune, uh, <laughs> we have three different. Mm, I suppose we could call them sweets. Uh, the first sweet we get, uh, uh, you know, we got teenage boy, teenage girl. Uh, barely 17, barely dressed, parked by the lake, and, uh, you know, feeling a little frisky. A right? little frisky. Um, then we get into the second <laughs> As you part, are the second time. suite, uh, and it's bridged with a lovely monologue by, oh, what's his name? Is it in Phil here? Rizzuto? Phil Rizzuto, a famous, uh, <laughs> Phil Scooter Rizzuto, uh, famous voice for the New York Yankees. Mm, yeah. And he was a shortstop. Um, he, did you know? Yeah. He claims he doesn't know what the song was about when he came in and recorded the monologue. <laughs> and then apparently felt some type of way. 
Oh, did he? I didn't know that. Apparently. Part. Oh. Well, oh, for I a see. little bit. I don't know if he ended up feeling like that because okay. <laughs> hello, it's Paradise by the Dashboard. <laughs> I mean, but um, yeah. yeah. Apparently, the first time he recorded it, Meatloaf was like, "Well, that's too stale. You gotta like." You got to get into it. So he like made bases in the studio out of pizza boxes and was like running around and sliding into them. <laughs> and then like, that's why Phil, like he was like so into it. In why the is this man so extra? <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> if the actually, instead of epic, if there's one word, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so we get into the, the second suite and um, she says, stop right there. I got to know right now. I was still laughing at the image of Beatloaf <laughs> running around, <laughs> sliding into the pizza box. He's out. No, wait, save. <laughs> he is safe, sir. <laughs> uh, um, and the girl is asking, "Hey, if we go all the way. You gonna let me forever?" You and Meatloaf says, "Ever." It's such a. It's such a. It's, this is the, what got me about the song. High it's stakes. so high Ever? stakes <laughs> for something that's so not high. What's stakes. it gonna be, boy? Like, you're gonna yes, let me forever or, or no? no. Let me sleep, sleep on, on it, it. Uh, I'll give you an answer in the morning I feel pain for him Like oh bro I hear Ooh. you You're stressed You're just trying to get some coochie It's okay <laughs> Like impossible not to just get so invested in these songs right. It really is Because I think we uh, I think we understand Kind of the angstiness behind it But also the fantasy Everyone's mm-hmm. been a horny teenager Yes <laughs> I, I just I can see like her on top of him and they're like starting to have sex and she says, will you love me forever? And he's like, uh, let me think. <laughs> <laughs> like, and so, they, like <laughs> they got into this like on stage too. Like yes. even like he always like made out with the girl. Like even he was in his sixties, oh, I think when I no. saw him in 2017 making out, touching, you know, grabbing like whole thing during this. Like there's a documentary committed, committed the- to the moment. <sighs> The documentary that follows him around in one of the later tours, that was like kind of the, I guess the story of the monologue. Cause every time they did it, they, you know, they would have that choreography mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then uh, the reviews would come out the next day and be like, meatloaf was great. The band was great. Everybody was great. However, this moment is so <laughs> uncomfortable. It was a big age difference. Yeah, yes. <laughs> she, uh, I mean, 24, the oldest, ooh. I guess. Huge gap. And I mean, like, I don't know. It's just such a like an icky area that like there's no real answer for it other than just like not do it. I mean, like I would hope that she knew what she was getting herself into. I mean, I think she least. did. The original girl was uh uh kind of not surprised by it. Ah. Yes. Uh because it wasn't Ellen Foley. I don't remember yeah, her name. Yeah, cuz Ellen Foley is the one on the recording, but she wasn't yeah. she didn't go on tour with them. Yeah, the the girl that did is the girl that's featured in the video. Mm-hmm. Um Okay. And uh, she was like, okay, Jim, there's a lot of, you know, there's stuff going on here. What, 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 what do you want? What do you want us to do? And he's like, you'll know it when it happens. She's oh, like, Lord. okay. He goes up to meet love. He's like, okay, there's stuff here. We're doing stuff. And she goes, you'll know it when it happens. She's like, all right. Uh, she got a lot of meatloaf tongue. Oh Lord. That's a phrase I never thought I would utter <laughs> in my life. Um, yeah, but now that you have, I'm glad that you did. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been approved. It's in the ether. Oh, Deal no. with it. No claps. Um, yeah, that's so 1970s, 1980s. Yeah. In today's yeah. day and age, oh my glob. Yeah. Like, no, never. Um, the whole show, people would have loved everything that was happening until <laughs> that moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I suppose, you know, back in the, the 70s, the, they were age appropriate. So it wasn't sure. as uncomfortable right, right. Or, and like glaringly sure. obvious. Yeah. But still, but still crazy that they didn't tell her. Right. Yeah. 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 
that I think, was going to happen. I mean, she obviously she knew the song, so she knew what it was insinuating, but like, okay, meatloaf, <laughs> keep it in your mouth. Um, we haven't even right. gotten to the third suite yet uh, because <laughs> it is praying for the end of time. These have titles. Um, the first one is Paradise. The second one is Let Me Sleep On It. And the third one is Praying for the End of Time. Um, because he said, uh, I couldn't take it any longer. Lord, I was crazy. I was feeling, the feeling came upon me like a tidal wave. Started swearing to my God and on my, my mother's, mother's grave. grave. I would love you to the end of time. Yes, I swore oh. I would love you to the end of time. I went a little Anderson Pock there. Um, <laughs> Did you yes, I said, Lord? I said yes, Lord. Um <laughs> So now he's praying for the end of time. Because if I got to spend another minute with you, I don't think that I can really survive. I'll never break my promise. I'll forget my vow. But God only knows what I can do right now. I'm praying for the end of time. I swear. So I can end my time with you. Yeah. Such a punchline. So good. Hilarious. Tragic. Great. I love it. Opera. I don't What are Thoughts? Any other thoughts for this? Theater. Art. <laughs> but is it art? <laughs> um, yes. Literally cannot imagine Meatloaf just speaking. I can only imagine him singing everything <laughs> that he says. Oh, what uh, Does anybody have anything else to say about no. Paradise by the Dashboard Light? No, it's perfect. It's yes. perfect. No. It's like the ultimate. It will live It will on live forever. on forever. God, I hope so. Um, A song somehow... More dramatic than I do anything. <laughs> have you talked about uh, I don't know how they specifically did it. how this 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 album kind of really set the tone for eighties sound? Have we touched on that already? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I, and I don't know if that's necessarily exactly how it played out, but for me, that's how I've always kind of interpreted it. Is like it definitely still sounds like a seventies album, but yeah. just that big theatricality and even like kind of the cheesiness of it a little bit, like it, it really. I feel like set the precedent of what the eighties would start to sound like eventually. Yeah. yeah. And kind of eighties rock. I should say glam rock. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The showman that would be yeah. inspired by meatloaf. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think of, um, um, Van Halen. That's, that's the one I think of uh, that big guitar sound that's in this. Like, obviously it's not quite the same thing because Van Halen was just shredding everywhere, but like that, just that big guitar sound, the big booming drums, like, Yeah. Very much 80s rock stuff. Last, certainly not least, for crying out loud. <sighs> okay, I love this oh, song. Fuck I do too. Uh, and as it was only just a... a <laughs> That's sacrilegious. A, a, a recent, you know, this is a recent development. And I think I love it because there is so much attitude in like the first half of the song, right? This is really the, the only one I had not heard before. Really? Somehow, yeah. For crying out loud. You know I love you. And then like, because uh, it starts out with just piano, right? Mm. And then that fucking orchestra comes in. Cause I think when I was listening to this song, I was like, oh, okay, here's a song that's stripped down and we've got bare bones, <laughs> piano. No. no, 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 no. Babe, babe, babe. It, it fooled you. It fooled <laughs> the orchestra is coming. Se- and I thought, oh, this is a simple one. He's in yeah. on a simple one. That's random. Lies. No. Lies they told. Lies Minnelli lies. Um, <laughs> it's like the- every song's 15 minutes. The last track is that tight three. <laughs> <laughs> Finally getting it right. Um, but once that orchestra comes in and uh, uh, they get to like that, that peak and then he starts, oh God, hold on. I'm going to get there. He says, uh, 
for taking in the rain when I'm feeling so dry, for giving me the answers when I'm asking you why. My, oh my, for that, I thank you. And then he starts listing off all these things that, you know, they are doing. I, 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 what is it? Worship you? No, I serve you. I need you. I want you. I hold you. And then, but most of all, for crying out loud, as in that phrase switches for being vocal about our love for that, I love you. And I think that, uh, even though they probably didn't know it at the time, would also speak to the the weirdos that loved this album, yeah. right? Like on a, on a like a meta yeah. level, yeah. Like for fans, for being fans, for for championing this album, we love you for that. I, I yeah, I think it's a a beautiful ending to a very small stupid album. Any other thoughts? I don't know if small and stupid. Forty five years old. These are good words. For- yeah. 40, this album's 45 years old. Wow. 45 years old? Okay, so you've got facts up there. Um, yeah. do, can you maybe look up like the, the the running total of how many copies have been sold since? Oh, God, yeah. Um, That's millions. Yeah, I mean, it's in the, the, the hundreds of millions, right. I feel like. No, it is. Um, okay. Well, Bad Out of Hell has sold over 43 million copies worldwide. It is certified 14 times platinum. <laughs> 14 times. It is the best-selling album of all time in Australia. Um, Yeah, and it's ranked at number 343 on the list of the 500 greatest albums of all time done by Rolling Stone. They were also... They changed uh, that all the time. uh, I think up until recently, they were still charting in the UK, or this album was still charting in the UK. Yeah, as of June 2019, it has spent 522 weeks in the UK albums chart. <laughs> the second longest running chart run by a studio album. And that's like, perfect what? for a country that gave us Queen. Like, yeah, like absolutely, of course. They know a good thing when they hear it. Yeah, they really I do. I mean, that's where, that's where the um, musical first started running was in the UK. Yeah, that right. makes and total it was wildly sense. successful. The only thing the and, British are dramatic about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what in the hell? Of all things. <laughs> they're just like, we're going to give you queen. They have good taste in musicals too. Like they yeah. did the American Psycho musical started oh, over yeah. there and it was life changing for me. It's still this, my favorite musical I've ever seen live what? on stage. And then it came to New York and it had a like great cast. Alice Ripley. <gasps> um, yeah. The girl, I forget her name, but the girl who was in um, Strange. What's that musical's name? Um, uh, Passing Strange? Uh, Next to Normal. Oh. Um, yeah, the girl who played her daughter oh. in that musical was also in that. She played Jean. <gasps> ben the last I've heard of her, she blew out her voice in that musical. Oh, shit. She was so good, though. Oh, I'm glad she's back. It's like um, Jennifer something. Uh, anyway, move on. Really Go on. Um, and then Ben Walker, who played Abraham Lincoln and Abraham Lincoln and the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> was Patrick Bateman. And he gets basically next to naked in the second half. And it is so good. But anyway, all that to say, it was the great, like the 80s, the costumes, the choreography, the synth, like everything about it. The gore, like when he hacks open the person, like, and there's blood everywhere. It was absolutely amazing. <laughs> it was the best thing I've ever seen. Hands down. It was crazy successful in uh, England and then it came over here and it played for three months in New York. Damn. Who was sitting by, alone by themselves and thought, American Psycho the musical. <laughs> well, <Yeah>. I mean, it's <laughs> a trend right now. Like, they're going back through like old 90s and 80s movies and being like, okay, let's put some music to this and staging yeah. it. And uh, most of the time it's working. Yeah. <laughs> like, Beetlejuice is, I hear, very successful. Mrs. Oh, Doubtfire oh, just yeah. opened and I feel like is doing well. 
Um, it doesn't make sense to me, though. Pretty Woman. American Psycho made. the musical is not the first thing I would think of, but. I mean, it, it's, it could be very Sweeney Todd esque. I'm uh, fair, fair. That's a good, yeah, that's a good way to think about yeah. it, yeah. I don't know if it is, but. All I know is that. If they I, can make Sweeney Todd, they can make anything. I into couldn't a get through that movie because Christian Bale creeped me the hell out. I thought you were going to say, he's doing his Wait. job. <laughs> no, he's You're doing talking it. about American Psycho? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm talking You're about You're talking about Sweeney Todd? Okay, yeah. I agree with you. Well, she. <laughs> I've not seen she, American she, Psycho. She was. Um, you were drawing a parallel. Yeah, like I was. How... I was saying, yeah, I could see how it could be made yeah. because Sweeney Todd is a thing. Right. right. <laughs> I was just saying, I agree with you that the movie of Sweeney Todd is not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay, so we've reached the end of this <laughs> album. Um, <laughs> only seven tracks, but boy, are clearly they... plenty to talk about. In yeah. Seven yeah. 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 Um, any final thoughts? Any certified bops? I mean, obviously, paradise, paradise by the dashboard. Paradise, paradise, paradise by the dashboard. Lab. Yes, uh, I think obviously that's the. Yeah, I think that's no contest. I yeah, because like we that all is the bop. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, certified bop. Certified, but but the thing, the album as a whole is a bop. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know what yes. I'm saying? The just, ride just from start like, to finish. Yeah, like you just. just I mean, it, it's thing. a testament to how fucking fantastic the songwriting is that you can sit through nine plus minutes of a song and not yeah. realize that you're sitting yeah. through nine plus minutes of a song really being yeah. swept away by it truly and i mean that that's the whole thing it, like it really does from the moment it starts just sweeps you up and takes you away bad out of hell yeah i mean that cover is really like it tells you exactly what's about to happen in this it's this thing's gonna blow your fucking mind open yeah. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and give uh, credit to the uh the artist the, yeah why not um, not on that. Uh, okay. The illustration was by Richard Corbin. Uh, and the design was Ed Lee, but I, I imagine the illustration did most of the work. Um, great. Mara, thank you so much for joining us. It was my pleasure. Thank I'm you so, so much. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad this was, that we could make this happen. I felt very passionate about this subject. Okay. So thank I'm you. I'm sorry. The I Holy have Ghost to. Just. <laughs> I have to. No, the, Richard Corbin is not just some dude. Oh. He is the uh, person who made up heavy metal, the comics. Yes. Yes. Are you kidding me? What? <laughs> yes. What? This goddamn album has what? American classics all over it. <laughs> it's magic. Yeah, so yeah, he uh, uh his comics were uh, common, commonly featured in heavy metal and it became one of the most like significant contributors to it and like wow signature style. Obviously cuz a whole bunch of stuff in heavy metal looks like that. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> hmm. yeah, I looked up his name cuz I'm like I know there's going to be some stupid thing that's on this. I also love just just the the choice of still like putting the beefcake on the motorcycle, right? I mean, he's still dramatic. He is laid back. His hair is flowing. But like, ladies, no one know who the other guy is. Who's the other guy? I think his name is Ed Lee. Ed, Ed Lee. Lee. L E E. Yeah. <laughs> well, some guy. There's no. The most. Uh, there's right. Former mayor of San Francisco. Well, that and was then, him. Like and Ed Lee, <laughs> chef. There's Ed Lee Corbin, the actor. I don't think Ed Lee is anyone significant. Right. One's pretty common. One. <laughs> Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. Um, 
<laughs> so if we're if we're going in order, next up would be Colton. Colton, do you I, have any thoughts? I do, um, but I am trying to bring a guest on myself, so I don't know for sure if I am going to be going next. But okay, um, so it's a mystery flavor episode. Ooh. We have talked about. Um, I'll give you. A, we um, talked about doing uh, Taylor Hawkins album because he had his own oh, right. band yeah um but i don't know if that's what we're going to do or not so we'll mm. see can't wait interested to hear it yes. um well great thank you all for joining us out there um oh mara you've got things in your life yes plug things yes uh yeah i yes so like brandon mentioned earlier i have very a podcast with my twin brother and our friend Landon Knoll. Yes. Um, you guys feel very far apart because we record in my closet. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> why are you not just a closet length away? <laughs> this is very spread out. Where are all the clothes? Zhuzh. There is a literal hot tub in here, you guys. Yeah. Like, <laughs> This is much, uh, much more club hangout feel than our normal recording. Yes. <laughs> our normal from the couch. Um, but no, we have a pop culture podcast. Um, we bill it as frou-frou pop culture bullshittery to numb the pain of existence because, you know, sometimes you just need to unplug and, you know, disconnect. Uh, what about, uh, you got an album coming out? I do. Um, I wrote some songs and I'm putting out an album. I'm not on Spotify yet, but I will be on all music streaming platforms. Fabulous. Um, and yeah, I worked with um, Dash, one of Dashboard Confessionals uh, producers, oh, same as Shannon right. MacArthur. He's based out of uh, Nashville, and I, yeah, I really like it. It's like a little bit of it's jazz inspired and like soul, like vintage soul, and then like a little bit of pop elements. I did. I'm not comparing. I'm definitely no meatloaf, but I did get my <laughs> meatloaf moment in this album yes. because yes. on one of the songs, I have like a tiny. Well, you listen to it. I have yeah. the tiny little skit before, and there's like it sounds like you know people chattering, and then. Yeah, I'm like singing acapella in a room. It's like weird, but Drama. yeah. So anyway, I'm I'm doing like an album release party at the ship in the West Bottoms in KC, May um, 21st. Okay, is it invite only? Um, and no, are we invited? I, I I need people. My worst fears. I'm gonna be like, hello, Kansas City. And there's gonna be like one bearded man in the back, just like, <laughs> um, no, but. <laughs> Yeah, I'm performing with my friend uh, Kirsten Paladin, who is an amazing uh, singer-songwriter, and she's doing original music, and then Fabulous. I'm going to do my original music, and then we're going to do a set together at the end, and oh, nice. we're gonna we're having some like really fun covers. Yeah, right. May twenty first. Yeah, May twenty first. May twenty first. Be there. Yeah, if you the miss ship. It. Uh, Tickets are only ten dollars, so <laughs> you can go. Yeah, you can uh, afford it for sure. Uh, but if you miss it, find her on Spotify and uh, Apple Music and any other streaming platform. Follow my Instagram. What is it? Uh, it's at Mara McFab, M-A-R-A-H dot M-C-F-A-B. Get into it. She posts oodles of good memes. So. <laughs> I do. She do. A meme queen up in here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I have an Instagram story, it's just a meme. It's just I honestly, Mara, memes. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes I'll be scrolling like, damn it, Mara. <laughs> it's like 20 memes. <laughs> I can't help myself. The they just build work. up in my camera roll and I'm like, well, <laughs> I gotta put these out into the ether because I can't be the only one laughing about this shit. I'm just trying to look at my stories. And like, <laughs> <laughs> the Lord work <laughs> okay um we're done here let's say goodbye <gasps> bye, bye. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right cut us off all right <laughs>
hold on. I don't want to get it wrong. Yeah. Um, you, know, you know that he's just going to put his technical difficulties music in here. You know that, right? <laughs> he, uh, Jeff, Jeff told me explicitly, he told me explicitly that uh, um, he's going to keep putting the technical difficulties music in the pot. It appears we have experienced some technical difficulties. Please stand by and please stay groovy.